Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Man, how's everybody doing this morning? Sorry, man. God kind of changed everything, right? So when we do that, we want to honor that and we want to respect that. And we want to respond accordingly. Even if I don't preach, right? You know, we want to make sure that God has His way, that, that God is made welcome to do whatever He wants. Um, appreciate Morgan, man, being uh, sensitive to that move as far as redirecting the set list. If you've ever been a part of worship or on a worshiping, that's a big deal. Getting outside of the boat. You hop out of the boat and you hope you stand on it and you don't sink to the bottom of the ocean right? It's a bold move. But man, every time we do that and we're obedient to the things of God, it encourages our faith. It causes us to be more confident. And the next time, you know, our confidence builds when we make those moves like that and we see God faithful and we, and we realize we made the right choice. We made the right move. It wasn't the most comfortable, but it was the right move. So Morgan, I appreciate that. And we need to, we need to make sure that we're continually doing that as a church. Um, so this morning, uh, just going to share a little bit. You know, I know it was Valentine's Day. How many people love Valentine's Day being on Thursday? <laughs> Nobody. It's kind of like a bust holiday, right? If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, why even try, right? You know, you got to get up Friday. So, you know, Valentine's Day, you know, it's really foc- the focus point is love, right? You know, their heart, your heart, you know, so love is sometimes driven by a feeling or an emotion, you know, the problem if, if love is, is, is encompassed by these things is that sometimes, you know, if, if it's dictated by feelings and emotions, the problem is, is that our feelings and emotions, they go up and down, therefore our love will not be consistent. There'll be times that we feel in love and there's times that we feel not in love, right? That's just when, when it's driven by emotion. So we have to realize that, you know, that love is a choice that we make every single day. A choice to love or to withhold love, which hopefully we're not withholding love, but that's the reality of it. You know, love makes obedience easier. Love makes it easier to, if we realize that, that all of these things in the word of God are written out of love, it makes, me, it makes it a lot easier to be obedient to them. Rather, if I have a perception of saying, God hates my guts. Two different extremes, right? God hates my guts, therefore he's put all these things in here and he doesn't like me. He doesn't want me to have fun. He's, he's caused me to live a boring life. And then on this other camp, well, if God loves me, there must be a reason why he's saying don't do this, to guard this area in your life, to to be obedient to these things. Because if it's out of love, that means he has concern for us. That means he cares about us. That means that he has our best interest always in mind, even when it's hard. Because sometimes being obedient and trusting, it's difficult. And I think another thing that limits our understanding of love is because we're natural, we're, we're physically minded, you know, in this physical body, we're limited to our understanding of love. Most of the time it is conditional. Well, I'll love you if you what? Love me. But, but God's word, what does it challenge us? It says, man, even love those that hate you. You know, so love is a choice. And how we love will be determined by how we guard our heart. You know, if our heart has been damaged and, you know, we've, we've tried to love and, and reciprocated love has not been given back and our hearts have been damaged, it's very hard to love because a broken heart, what, 
trust issues, insecurities. You know, we, we, we base our next response on our previous experience almost every single time. You know, if I've loved and I've been loved and it was healthy and it was godly and, you know, there was no damage involved, well, yeah, I can love in a, you know, in a right kind of way. But if I've been hurt, you know, it, let's, say, let's say your parents were just harsh, you know, with their words. You know, we've talked about that over and over again, that the words spoken over your life matters. Things that are spoken to you, especially when your heart is just ripped open and it's laid bare before people, and then bam, hits you, it hits you where it hurts, right? So I was looking for two good little jokes for this Sunday. Man, there's a whole bunch of crazy ones for Valentine's Day, right? So this first one is for the guys to help you out a little bit, okay? Here's the first one. So the most effective way to remember to buy something for your wife for Valentine's Day is forget it one time, and you'll never forget it again. So what's the best part about Valentine's Day? The day after, when all the candy goes on sale. (laughs) Save you some money. Let's pray this morning, all right? Father, we thank you for uh, what you're wanting to do and what you're already doing, God. Father, we thank you that you love us, Lord, right where we're at. Lord, there's nothing we have to do or say or, uh, or, or perform, God, but you just love us right where we are. Father, this morning as we look through your word, God, I pray that you would just encourage, encourage us, God, just to guard our hearts. Father, to love like you love and, Father, to be transformed by your word. Father, that you'd give us ears to hear your word. Father, Lord, and the faith to apply it and the obedience to do it. Father, we thank you for what you're doing, Lord, and we just release you to just have your way in our lives and allow this word to penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today, if I was gonna give my title message, right, it would be guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, I'm gonna share this in the New Living Translation because I think it really gives a better clarifying picture of what it means. So it says, above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. Man, it's like the steering wheel. If you were to take the steering wheel off of your car, where would you go? Man, nobody knows, right? It'd be a bad scenario. You could not, that, that, it's that critical. You would never, ever, ever, ever drive a car without a steering wheel. I would say that could be even possibly more important than brakes sometimes, right? Directing which way you can go, because can at least go in a cornfield and God willing, you'll slow up sometime, right? You know, man, that's something that we could not live without. That's something that we have to have. So, you know, we have to understand that guarding our heart, it's more than just a heart thing, right? We have to understand what are the areas that our heart can be damaged? What are the areas where, you know, not, what is not guarding our heart, right? You know, so we have to understand that you guard your heart by controlling what you see, what you hear, and what you do. What do you mean, what do I, what I do? By just what you're exposed to, what you're around, that stuff can directly affect your heart. You know, what do you mean, what, Noe, what are you talking about, you know, what I see? What do we lay before our eyes? Because it says that the eyes are the window to the heart. So if, I, if I'm not guarding my heart, I mean, I'm, if, my, if I'm looking at things that are not godly and they're not, you know, they're not honoring to God, what that does, it contaminates my heart, Right? What I hear, what goes into my ears, you know, mom always used to say, right, man, you know, kids talking like that, don't be around it. Why? Man, it contaminates the heart. 
you know, and I know sometimes we say, well, I'm ignoring it. I'll ignore it. I'm, it's not getting to me or whatever, you know, but there's a difference between having to be in that environment and choosing to put ourselves in that environment. I mean, sometimes if you're at work, you're at work and ain't nothing you can do about it. And if the person right next to your desk and you can't move and you're stuck like Chuck, I got to hear it. And Lord, help me not be of it. You know, you're blah, 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 putting fingers in your ears, whatever you do to try to like guard your heart. By all means, guard your heart. What I see, what I hear, what do I, what do, I do? Where do? Who do I associate with? Where do I put myself? What, what am I around? You know, I've often heard people say the statement, just follow your heart. Anybody ever heard anybody tell you that? Or hear it all the time, just follow your heart. Or I've heard them say, just, you know, uh, God will give you the desires of your heart to justify following your heart, right? So we're going to look a little bit more about the danger of following your heart, okay? So we know we have to understand, you know, you know that this, these statements are really concerning because they're communicating that God will give you anything and everything that you ask for, right? You know, these statements support the idea that God is in heaven as, as your personal genie with an unlimited supply of wishes, and he'll give you whatever he asks in this way of thinking. Follow your heart. God will give you the desires of your heart, So let's think about that statement about following your heart. I would encourage you that following your heart can get you into a lot of trouble if your heart has not been transformed or replaced by the power of God. So we're going to look at we're going to look at two different pictures here. Before we receive salvation, you know, it says that our hearts are stony and they're hard and they're in almost impenetrable. And I'm gonna, I'm going to totally mess up my notes getting off of this, but it's okay. All right, so it talks about over and over throughout the word. It says, it says they were hard of hearing and because of the hardness of their heart, they could not receive or do anything. The hardness of their heart. So that's why a lot of times you hear us pray or you, you pray, man, God, I pray that their hearts would be softened. Why does that matter? So that the truth can penetrate a heart of stone. And then in just a little bit, we're going to look and see what God does in return to fix or replace that heart of stone. Because God hasn't left us with a situation to where we just have a hard, callous heart and we're not going to be responsive to Him and we're not going to listen to Him and we're going to be completely shut off to His Word and say, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. God hasn't left us in that condition. That's a choice that you make to stay in that condition. But God provides a way out to where He can replace this heart of stone and His Word says that what? He gives us a heart of flesh. So what's the big deal about following your heart? Your heart can really lead you astray and can be directed by the wrong motives. Jeremiah 17, 9 in the New Living Translation. So for all of you guys out here, gals who believe that, man, you can follow your heart or if you've, you've believed that, let's see what it says about the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Keep on trusting that heart, right? And desperately wicked. Keep on trusting your heart. See where it gets you. And then it states, it makes a statement that says, who really knows how bad it is? Matthew 15, 19. It says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So for those of you who say, oh, it's all right to follow your heart, 
And it's kind of scary, right, to see that all of these things come out of where? The heart. Well, it's in the mind, Noe, isn't it? No. Your mind is what feeds the heart. But out of your heart comes all of these things. You know, this is kind of the well, the deposit that's being made of all those things that were poured into our life. They're kind of housed in the, in the heart. What does it say that verse before that? It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I say something, I need to be careful what I say because maybe I'm believing that in my heart. That's, that's the scary part of that. We just don't say things in vain or we just don't say things because they don't matter. When we communicate things, it's either something we believe or has been reinforced by what we've poured in. It's not just, oh, well, man, I wonder how I came up with that. As a little bitty kid, still in something. You know, you think as an adult, why the heck would you steal a gumball, steal something worth a little bit more valuable, right? But that, that desire to just steal, or man, my kids, man, I've been fighting it lately, lying. I hate it, but it's what, what it comes out of the heart. And I'm just pleading with them. I'm like, just be honest. I'm going to whoop you for lying. I'm going to whoop you for not with, you know, telling me what's really in your heart because, man, as long as your heart's laid bare and you're revealing the things of your heart, guess what? As parents, that's something we can do with it. We can do something with it. And the same thing with God. If we're at least honest with the things in our heart, guess what? God can fix that. It's when we want to think that our heart is good and it's really corrupt and evil and does not please God. So we got to be really, really careful when we curse or when we say something, you know, not loving where does that really come from? It's not just anger. It's a heart issue. So out of the abundance of the heart, out of the heart, the mouth will always speak. When, when the words come out that are not Christ-like, we have to ask God to change our hearts. So let's just stop for a moment and really, really evaluate what is in our heart. You know, do we, do we have hearts that, you know, are hard and calloused and we have ugly things coming out and we cannot change those? Matthew 6, 21, it says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So the things that you're pursuing, the things that you long for, the things that you love are directly tied to your heart. So if we still are pursuing these things or we still, our hearts are still driven towards these things of a sinful nature or a destructive nature, we have to say, God, is my heart really transformed? Is my heart really, has it been changed? Because I want to some degree be able to trust my heart, but if my heart is everything that the scripture has dictated so far, I cannot trust my heart. I can't lean towards anything. Well, man, my heart, I kind of feel good about that in my heart. Man, buddy, hold on, step back and evaluate that, right? Because a corrupt heart will always lead you to corruption. A deceptive heart will always lead you to deceive. A hating heart is always going to cause you to hate. It's going to always reciprocate everything that's within it. And unless that heart is transformed, it will never change. It will always produce death and destruction. So where your treasure is, there your desires will be also. So we have to really ask ourselves the question, where is our treasure? What is our treasure found in? Matthew 13, 44 through 46, it talks about the kingdom of heaven. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and he bought the field. Verse 45, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. 
When he found one of great wealth, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. So what am I saying with these passages? Man, you know, where's our treasure at? Have we found something worth trading everything in our life for? Have we come to that place of where we submit our heart to God and say, God, don't just fix my heart, but replace my heart. Replace it. Don't just fix it. Just don't put a Band-Aid on it because if it's evil, it's evil. And there's nothing I can do to change that. But if it's replaced, it's transformed, it's corrected, it's adjusted, it will become like Christ. It says, I will take your heart of stone. How good is a heart of stone? Pretty useless, right? We need it to be fleshly. We need it to be, you know, adaptable. We need it to work. We need it to function as designed. And in this fallen world, that's, that's the cards that we're dealt. Our heart is inevitably evil. But Christ came and died for your heart. So where is your treasure? Is your treasure found here on earth? Or is it in the heavenly realms to come? You know, where your treasure is will determine our motives and what we're driven by. Proverbs 16, 2, it says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him. So what does that mean, innocent? That means we justify them. We're like, yeah, it could be worse, right? It's not that bad. We justify it. They're innocent, right? But it says that God weighs the motives. It says, but our motives are weighed by the Lord. We might say, just, we're gonna, I'm telling you, we're going to justify them. Oh, it's not that bad. Everybody's doing it. Ever said that when you're young and dumb? Teenagers, you're going to learn. That's not, the, that's not the best approach, right? Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that it's right or it's justifiable or that it honors God. You hear me? And sometimes God does speak through your parents more than you think, but we don't want to hear it. Okay? Don't do what everybody else is doing. If I need to be the extra voice in your life right now. <laughs> you're going to need it, I promise. When that peer pressure is at all-time high and all your friends are abandoning their faith, will you stand strong? When you have to go against the flow of life and you're the only one and saying, God, where are you? He's going to say, I'm right here by you, but will you be bold? Will you stand up for what you believe to be true or will we weasel out and just be just like the crowd? You know, God says all through his word, he says, we're not going to be of this world. You're not going to look like it. You shouldn't act like it. You should stand out in a crowd. Well, I don't want to. You should, right? And it's hard to stand up for God when everybody is against God. What does he say in his word? He says, acknowledge me before men and I'll acknowledge you before my father. Deny me before men and I will deny you before my father. It's a strong statement but it should encourage you to be bold and courageous and to be strong. You got to understand that we're not dic- we, we don't dictate our lifestyle based on the government or what they say. Well, they say we can't pray in schools. You believe it. You can do what you want. You got freedom of speech. Now, I'd get in trouble if I go in there and start praying in the schools. But as a student, you can stand for God. As a young adult, you can stand for God. Amen. 
Back to my notes. Sorry, guys. You know, we have to understand the motives of our heart, right? So before our hearts are transformed by the power of God, we got to understand that those motives are in rebellion towards God. So what does that mean? They're completely contrary to the things of God. God says no, you say yes. You say yes, God says no. Complete opposite. The things that God desires you to pursue, your heart is saying, no, I don't want those. I want these things of the flesh. I want, I'm, I'm turned off to the things of God, and, and I want the things of the flesh. Our hearts are not transformed. They're not renewed. They're not Christ-centered. They're not Christ-focused. You know, sometimes we ask God for things out of selfish or impure motives. But let me tell you what, God will not give us something that will destroy us. You know, that's why that other thing when I talked about, you know, according to God's will, you know, or, hey, just ask God, you know, anything that you, in your heart, you know, there's a condition there according to God's will. We'll see that in the passage in just a minute. You know, but, but God will never give you something or, or release something that will completely destroy you. What would be the point of that? Now, he uses hard things to be the catalyst to change us and get us to the place of responding to his presence. He uses those things. He doesn't cause those things. You, you got to understand, we got to have a right perspective of who God is. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God comes that we might have life and life abundantly. Now, all of those things that the enemy uses to destroy your life and cause destruction, God uses those as the catalyst to cause you to become his. We don't always like it, but the cool thing is God doesn't leave us there. He pulls us over here to this side, and then we kind of keep the devil on that side, and anytime he tries to get... On God's side now, we just kind of back to your side, right? But God's ultimate plan to change us is, is not just to fix our heart, like I said earlier. It's, it's to give us a new heart with brand new motives. So what, what is the condition of that? This morning, God says, give me your heart. You can't fix it yourself. You can only hide that hurt and that brokenness for so long. But if you give me your heart, It'll be worth it. Let's look at Ezekiel 36. Bless you. You all right? Making it. Ezekiel 36. We're going to look at 26 through 27 and then also 29. So it says, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, it says, And I will pour out my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Verse 29 says, I will save you from all your uncleanness. And as I, as I look through this passage, and, and if you have time to go back and read that whole passage in Ezekiel, but every time it talks about, you know, what God's going to do, it says, it says, I will do this, and I will do this, and I will do this. What is that saying, and what is that dictating? God doesn't need that much of our help. Well, God, don't you need me? No, just, I'll do it. Well, what if I, God, I will do it. All I ask is that you'd give me your heart. And he says, when, when we give him his heart, he just doesn't say, okay, oh man, I'm sorry, and give it back to us. It says that he replaces our heart of stone, and he gives us a heart of flesh, and he puts a new spirit within us. 
So are you saying that, man, it's like it's brand new? Absolutely. He takes what we had and gives us something new. But he, does, he doesn't just change our heart. He also does something else. He gives us a spirit to live inside of us. And what is that for? It's to help defend your heart from then on. Because before your heart is damaged, it's hard, it's rocky, it's, it's, it's against the things of the Lord. Well, when he gives you a new heart of flesh that's sensitive to the things of God, guess what? At that point, when we talk about guarding your heart, now it's even more critically important. Because you have a heart of flesh now, a heart that is sensitive to the things of God. But how many of you know that when a heart is not calloused, it's susceptible to things of the world now in a way that can, can affect it a lot more directly? When your heart of stones there, man, y'all, you ain't getting in here. You, you just, bulletproof vest. You're not going to get to it. There's layers and layers and layers. So once God gives us a new heart, we got to make sure that we guard our hearts. And I think that's why it's so important for believers. God wants you to guard your heart once he deposits a new heart within you. When we're, when we're not saved and we haven't given our hearts to God, it really, I mean, I, I'm sorry, it really doesn't matter at that point. There's nothing to guard. Your heart's already messed up. It's of no value to God. But once he gives you a new heart, man, then we got to guard it and we have to protect it. Jeremiah 24, 7, it says, I will give them a heart to know me, a heart that's driven for the things of God, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their hearts. So a heart that is now transformed is, is focused on Christ-centered things. It's focused on God. He is the focus point of who we are. So a heart that was against God is now what? For God. It's for the things of God. It's sensitive to the things of God. It's thinking like God. It's acting like God. It's, it's receiving the word of God in a way now that penetrates the heart. And when the word of God penetrates the heart, guess what happens? Your life begins to change. Immediately. You know, uh, a lot of people, you know, I mean, I guess some don't, but man, I tell you what, most of the time when people really receive just a, uh, an impactful experience with the Lord and they give their heart to them, man, weep like babies. I don't know what's going on. My heart was so hard, now it's so soft, and I'm just crying all the time. You know, like it just comes out, right? Because what we were, man, we we had this super hard heart, and now we're super sensitive. All these Disney movies are just making me cry. Just you know, it's like, man, where's that tough guy I used to know? Man, I'm watching these kids with my with my daughters, and I'm just like, you know, walking off, or you know. We watch a lot of Christian movies, and Becky doesn't like them as much as I do, I guess. There's some that are really good, but she always thinks they're kind of cheesy, and I'm just like, hit me right here, man. I was just kind of borderline. I was like, that was so good. She's like, what are you talking about? Solving your heart, baby. Just playing. <laughs> just playing. Uh, there. You know, we have, to, we have to realize that that comes with it, you know, just like we're sensitive to the things of God, man, it changes our whole demeanor. We start caring about things that we didn't, use, we didn't used to care about. We love in a way where we didn't used to love. We forgive in a way where we've been forgiven. It's the catalyst that God uses to greatly impact and change our lives. But it's a process, something that God does. It's not, I mean, I can't replace my own heart. 
You know, last Sunday, Christina came up. And for those of you here, she came and she shared a word. She just said, you know, uh, about us moving from the what if, and, and pretty much the summary was it moving from the what if, the conditional to the I will and being, being immediately obedient, you know, and as I was studying this, this week, man, I just saw that over and over and over again. So then as I was looking through the word, I said, you know what, God showed me through his word that he'll do his part and it's up to us to respond as he leads. So I said, okay, God, so is it really I'm, I will do this? He says, no, not really. He says, you got to understand that I am the God of I am and I am a God of the I will, therefore you will. Do you hear that? You know, it's not even me. It's not saying I will. You know, it's not saying that I will, but we will, like in response to who God is. He says, I am the I am. And I am the God of I will accomplish this. And in response, we just say, all right, Lord, we will. According to your will. And we just surrender to that. And we allow God to change those things in our life that we can't change. And we boldly, our credibility is in Christ alone. Man, I remember when I went to work in the secular world, uh, I was putting my job application together. Been, I'd done youth pastor work. I'd done missionary work. I, man, over, you know, worship teams. I'd done all kinds of start church credibility stuff. <laughs> they looked at that resume and they said, well, do you have any experience? I was like, guess not. <laughs> Wasn't the type of experience they were looking for. But I tell you what, as I walk with God and I see God, that everything that I've done, even up to this point, all the credibility relies on God. It's not who I am. It's just yielding. And it's, it, it's, you know, when I look at my name tag of who I am, it says, made in Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's him. It's wearing his label. It's presenting who he is. It's wearing his designer clothes because he's the one that made them anyway. I can't take any credibility and say, oh, you make that look good. It ain't me that makes it look good. It's the creator that made it and created it within me. That's what it's all about. God changing us and, and, and changing our heart. But it's God that does the work. And he says, I will do this, I will do that. And hey, just chill out and stay in your lane. Right? That's what he wants from us. He just says, hey, I'm going to do my part. When I tell you to move, you move. When I tell you to take something that, that you have that you feel is super important and I say, and I say let it go and put it down and, and, and get away from it, you set it down and you walk away. And we don't want to go back to that place. Of, but, but, but Lord, if he says leave it and lay it at the cross, lay it at the cross, crucified and move on. Because God knows best. And we like to pretend that as earthly parents, right? Oh, your parents know best. No. We miss it. We miss it. But we can't we can't allow our understanding of our, our earthly parents or like what we know to dictate who God is. God is perfect 100% of the time. He never messes it up. When we mess it up, he fixes it. He works all things together for his good. When we mess up, it's not like saying, hey, God, look what you messed up. He's like, buddy, you did that all on your own. But I'm gonna help you fix that. That's what happens. Well, God, if you wouldn't, and he just sits, I'm sure he's just like this, just waiting, you know, let you kind of say your thing and you big dummy, follow my lead, stay in your place. I am the that I am. I will accomplish all these things and you will respond. You know, I used to think God is, was a super gentleman and then I had somebody challenge me about that. They said, God is not a gentleman. He will accomplish his purpose in your life. 
That's his ultimate goal, you know, because I was like, well, if God doesn't really want, you know, he's going to be super. No. I think there's been times in my life where God's kind of like, hey, buddy, come on. Well, man, what is, I thought you were a gentleman. But in the character of God, I haven't necessarily seen that to be true. He's not super accommodating. It's not at the most convenient time where nobody's around and I'm going to have to be bold. It's in that moment where it's going to, in my physical, going to cost me something, or people might have an opinion of what I'm going to say or what I'm going to do. It's in those challenging moments. He doesn't do it at the most convenient, opportune time. If you've ever had a chance where God has really put a word in your heart and you've come up to share, man, there's never a perfect time. It's never convenient. You're like, well, maybe after this, oh, no, I missed it there. What about there? And it's so, you have to be bold and you just have to go for it. God does not want us to shrink back, but he wants to boldly boast in who he is and what he's doing in our life and that no man would glory and he would receive all the glory. And he will accomplish his purpose in your life if you will what? Give him your heart. That's all he asks. He says, give me your heart. Give me your life. I'll renew your mind. I'll change those habits. I will take everything that you were and I will make you who you are. Do you hear that? He, will, he sees us in, in, in a, I guess, in a glorified way where he sees our utmost potential, where all we see is our sin or our shortcomings or our failures. God looks beyond that, and he sees us at the core of who we are, and he, and he created us beautifully and wonderfully with a purpose and a plan. I know some of us even make the excuse, well, I wasn't planned. My parents made a mistake. Well, God uses mistakes every single day to reveal his majesty in the earth. And if you have breath in your lungs, there's a destiny and there's a plan for each and every one of you. If you'll give them your heart. Psalms 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So let's start kind of shifting the picture from a heart that now is God's, right? We've given God our heart. So those that delight in the Lord, so we find pleasure in the Lord. When we find ourselves at a place where we're, we're, we're pleasured in the presence of God, it says that at that moment that God will begin to give us the desires of the heart. Why? Because those desires match God's desires. And they're for your benefit, not for your destruction. We have to understand that as, as God gives us a new heart, he gives us new passions. He gives us new desires. It doesn't mean that we necessarily change who we are, but it, it changes the drive. It takes out the carnal nature and it restores the spiritual. It restores the things that are Christ-centered and Christ-like. Guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. So you got to understand that your heart is the center of who we are. Mark 6, 52, just, I'm going to just reference this. You don't have to turn to this, but it says that when, when our hearts are hardened, we cannot receive or understand anything. So this morning, if you're saying, no, I hear you, man, I'm just not getting it. I, I hear the word, but I can't receive it. This morning, if, if that's you, just say, God, soften my heart. Allow it to penetrate these hard layers because we got to understand that our defense system when we get hurt is to, to callous our heart, is to shut it off, is to, is, to, is to build walls around our life so that we are impenetrable. But what does that do? That pushes us back to our old nature of a stony, hard heart of self-defense, self-preservation. I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to let anybody in and I'm going to be okay with that. What do you think God says? Man, I'm not okay with that. Because what you're trying to do is callous your heart once again 
but I've already given you a heart of flesh. And for you to be effective, you have to expose your heart. Does that mean that you're going to have battle wounds? Absolutely. Christ did. It's going to happen. But in order for us to be effective, we've got to expose our heart. Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will what? Guard your, just your minds or your hearts also. It says it'll guard your hearts and your minds. Why both? Because your mind funnels to the heart. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there's, 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 a, there's a connection between everything in the mind and everything in the heart and everything in the heart and everything in the mind. They're directly connected together. When we change the heart, we begin to change the mind. But if we corrupt the mind, guess what? We corrupt the heart. That's why it's super important to guard our mind, guard our eyes, guard our ears. We look at David's life when he, when he sinned against God, you know. You know, at that point, you know, in David's life, he had already received a heart of flesh, right? You know, it wasn't that he was still in his rebellious state of where he hated God and he was against God. He, David was known as a what? A man after whose own heart? God's own heart, right? So he, his heart was driven towards the things of God. So one thing that he did was when he sinned drastically, he... The best thing that he did, he was a quick repenter. You know, he didn't hide, he didn't run, he didn't try to say, okay, well, maybe God will forget it. Maybe God won't see it, or maybe God missed that I did that, right? And if we look at this trek of sin that he had in his life, you know, uh, man, it was planned. You know, it was, you know, you know, from lust, from pursuing, to death, to covering it up, and then he gets to the place of where, guess what? That sin found him out. And I mean, he probably, as the king, should have said, could have said, so what? I do what I want. I'm the king anyway, and still got away with it. He was the king. He could have done whatever he wanted. But we got to look at the response of his heart. What did he do? What was his response? Psalms 51. Has anybody ever read it? Yes. So this is, this is the Psalms that David wrote in response to this whole situation of what he did. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Just listen to these words. Don't, you don't necessarily have to read them. And I mean, I would go back. I'm going to kind of just piece. I want you to capture the heart of who David was and how he responded. Remember, his heart was already transformed. He had already been given a heart of flesh. His ultimate goal in all of this was what? To still keep his heart sensitive to the things of God and to make sure that his heart was right before God. Starting in that verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out my stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. You guys, man, that is one of the best places to start. I recognize what I did and I acted a fool and I was stupid. God can work with that. But we have to recognize that those rebellious acts are in rebellion towards God. And it says, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. That's the problem about being a Christian. God won't let it settle. He's not going to say, oh, it's okay if you sin. Nobody will know about it. Man, he's going to just uh, keep prodding and keep encouraging. Almost to your like, you almost say, can everybody see this God or what? No, only I can, but you just feel like that. 
Why? Because he wants you to respond the correct way. Because he's in a battle for your heart to keep it and to hold it and to secure it. He responds, he says, against you and you only have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty even from the womb. So what does that mean? From the time our first heart beat, God still desired for us to be made right. You know, teaching me wisdom even there. So in verse 7, this is where he starts going through that process. He says, he says, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. He says, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. You guys ever been broken? I'm not talking about, you know, just by things, but I mean, this is really, it says that you have broken me. God broke him to the place of where he needed God and there was nothing else that was going to fix that situation. Don't keep looking back at my sins, but remove the stain of my guilt. And then you guys know this passage. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I'm going to stop there. You can read the rest on your, on your own time if you'd like. But what were the two things that he was super concerned about? His heart and his spirit. In those other passages, what did we say? It says that I will give you a new heart and I will put a spirit within you. We go back and we look at David's life. The two things he said, do not take your spirit from me and renew a steadfast heart within me. Restore my heart just like it was when you first gave it to me. That's what was required if David was going to be a man after God's own heart. Flawless. You're like, man, is that possible? It says when we ask for forgiveness, God wipes those sins away. Cast them in the sea of forgetfulness. He no longer holds them against us. And just like David beckoned here, he says, man, you know, wipe them out, blot them out. Don't keep looking back on them. And in the blood of Christ, that's what Christ does every single time. Now, sometimes it's a process, depending what we did, for us to forgive ourselves. But God is quick to forgive and slow to anger. He says that all through his word. John 14, 13. It says, Jesus promises to do whatever we ask in his name so that it will bring, bring, bring glory to his Father in heaven. So the ultimate goal is that the glory may be revealed to the Father through the Son, and through our lives so that it might be glory to the Son, which brings glory to the Father. When God works in our life, it glorifies God. So Jesus only did things that glorified the Father. So these things are done according to the plan and the will of God. John 14, 14, it says, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. It's totally different when our hearts are regenerated and when our, when our lives are fully submitted to God. 1 John 5, 13 through 15, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And it says, this is the confidence you have. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, dot, 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 
according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, it says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have whatever we ask of him. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that only happens when our hearts have been renewed. Because I don't want to pray out of the desires of my heart if my heart has not been transformed by the presence of God. I will not ask for things that are godly. I will not ask for things that are for my benefit. They're going to cause my own destruction. So today God says, give me your heart. I can do something with it. Some of you here this morning say, man, God, you don't want my heart. It's too messed up. It's too hard. Man, God is the ultimate physician. He can take that heart of stone and he doesn't just fix it like a doctor. He says, I got another one. And he's got the perfect heart just for you. Fits just right. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's a perfect fit. And if you don't know, this is something that he does supernaturally. This isn't that you got to schedule a doctor's appointment and show up and say, I need a new heart. Don't, you know, this is something that God does. But it's that same idea when we think of, of the cutting, the process of, of open heart surgery, right? Man, there's a tearing. There's, there's a process and then there's a healing process. And sometimes that process of receiving your new heart, it's going to hurt, it's going to leave pain, it's going to leave a scar. But when it's all said and done, it'll be better than it ever was. But I believe that we have that scar on our heart when we've received Christ and we remember. If you've allowed your heart of flesh to begin to be calloused again, think back of when he first gave you that new heart. He can always regenerate that regenerated heart. But it, it, it requires us to say, God, I'm sorry. This heart of flesh you've given me, I didn't guard. I didn't protect. But God, take it back. Heal it, mend it, make it whole. Let's look at Hebrews 3 real quick. About to wrap up. Hebrews, Hebrews 3, we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it calls called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. So we have to understand that in verse 12, what does he say? He doesn't say, hey, heathens, hey, people who don't have a relationship with God, hey, people who don't have a regenerated heart. He says, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that all of a sudden begins to turn away from the things of God. And it says that you should encourage one another on a regular basis, you know, so that you will not allow your hearts to be hardened again by sin's deceitfulness. Don't be tricked by sin and allow your heart to be calloused. And why do we need people around us encouraging us? Because sometimes we take the bait. It says sin is deceitful. It, it tricks us. But I tell you, amongst the fellowship of believers, we will not all be deceived. 
but I feel like sometimes the one being attacked, the enemy, you know, I think if there would have been six people, six, seven people around Adam and Eve, we would have never failed. Whoa, hold up. Get that out of your hand. What are you doing, woman? Put it down. You know, like, didn't you hear what, you know, but that one person that was deceived was deceived by the enemy. She knew the word of God, but she was by herself. So when we are continually encouraging, you know, and it, Adam and Eve, you know, Adam, I was like, well, you know, this woman, you know, whatever that story was, right? <laughs> they were both there. It wasn't like he didn't know. He's like, hey, what's this fruit? Took a bite. Oh, no, thanks for killing us all. <laughs> they, it says that they were both in the garden, but they were deceived by sin's deceitfulness. Guess what? The enemy, how he started, he's still doing the same thing today. But if we get around and we encourage one another, we say, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Put that, de- get away from, drop it, Run. Why are we running? And man, don't you know that that's the plan of the enemy right there to destroy your life? And you're like, oh, I didn't even see. Man, you're right. Let's get out of here. But when I'm all by myself and I'm not encouraging others and I'm not allowing the the light of God's truth to be exposed in any area of my life, I'm susceptible by sin's deceitfulness because we need people around us encouraging us to slap us when we're thinking hard-headed. We're like, well, maybe God wants this. No, that God don't want that. You want that. That's a contrary to his word. That's it. God said no, that means no. You know, because we want to justify it. We don't have to be naive to those schemes, right? Because it talks about holding on till the end, confidence in what we had at first. You got to stand up with me. I always find it interesting sometimes when I'm preparing notes how sometimes a prayer will come out and I'm like, God, that's more so a prayer than just a statement. You know, it it, it usually involves his word and his truth, but that there's a specific focus point. You know, so uh, when we talk about, you know, getting our heart of stone, you know, taking away our heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh. uh, I'm just going to really, I guess, just pray this over you guys because I really feel that, uh, man, this was in God's heart and it was wrapped around all these scriptures. It says, today God says to each of you, give me your heart and I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will give you a new heart and remove your heart of stone. If you've been deceived by sin and have become hardened against me, return once again to me. I'm a God who is quick to forgive and slow to anger. Seek me today while I may be found, and I will continue the work that I begin in you when I first captured your heart. I am a God who will continue to pursue you with persistent desire, and I will not stop until I have all of you. Revelations 3, 19 through 20, it says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Verse 20, it says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, it says, I will come in and I will eat with him and he will with me. So what is that saying? It's saying today, if if you have not given God your heart, 
Or maybe you said, God, I'll follow you, but I'm not giving you my heart. You withheld the most critical part of yourself. And this morning, you desire to say, God, man, first and foremost, man, I give you my heart. I didn't realize that that was so important. But I haven't, I haven't seen the desires change. I haven't seen that nature within me change. And, and I'm hard, God. Trust me, if God has given you a new heart, you know it happened. You know it happened. That moment when you came and God just, I think it's when your heart starts beating for the first time. You're like, God, what is that? You know, the Grinch. That's all I could think of. I just like, vroom, vroom. It's like, what is going on inside of me? It begins to beat and it begins to come to life and it becomes as God designed it to be. You know that happened. But if you've never experienced that, God wants to give you a new heart today. Secondly, if you say, man, Noe, you know, man, God's done that work, but I've just allowed my heart to get so callous by the things of this world. I've taken the bait in sin's deceitfulness and my heart has become hard to the things of God. I don't love God like I used to. I don't love people like I used to love people. And I need God to restore that within me. Just like David did, we respond in a way that says, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. But God, once again, created me a clean, pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me that I might please you. So we have some couples this morning that are, that are going to come up here, a uh, prayer team. And if either of those two criterias, just if you feel like, man, that's me, one of the two, man, I just encourage you to come forth. And we just, we just want to offer ourselves to just agree with you. You know, if you, if you need agreement, I'm not saying God can't fix you right where you're at. But if you want somebody to stand with you this morning and just to agree with you, say, man, I want God to change my heart and I just want him to do his work and I need somebody to agree with me. That's what the prayer team's going to be up here for this morning. And they would just make themselves available to you. Okay? Father, I thank you for each person here this morning, Lord. Father, that you're a real God and that you do a real work. Father, for those who, who've never had their heart transformed by you, Father, that this morning they would give you their heart. Father, for those who've made the decision to take their heart back maybe and, and withhold some of it from you, God, that, that today that we would choose to once again place our heart in your hands, that it might become soft again that we would love as you love. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.